Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, here we go on this Wednesday. Sandy Max is here. Greg Matzik is here. So is Debbie Lazica. And Adam Roberts is producing your show this afternoon. All right, giddy up. Let's go. This is the three. At three on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, Sandy, where do we start? After incredibly high prices for eggs at the beginning of the year, costs have dropped dramatically. They have. I noticed this just the other day when I was doing the grocery shopping on Sunday, as a matter of fact. So in January, eggs in my pick and save were seven fifty a dozen. Seven fifty a dozen. Now at that same pick and save, they're a dollar sixty nine. It's incredible what it we've a, seen. It was a buck forty nine at my local Woodman's. That's incredible. A buck forty nine after it was over seven bucks. They say it's because of a reversal of supply-demand trends that caused prices to spike. People were eating lots of eggs because eggs had been a cheap source of protein and people were struggling to pay their bills. There was the avian flu that wiped out a Mm. number of egg-laying hens, including here in Wisconsin. And farmers were dealing with inflation, inflated feed costs and fuel costs. But now supply is back on track and eggs are back down. This is amazing. Like, how could it go from seven and a half bucks to a buck and a half? In a couple of months. Supply and demand. Good old capitalism. I guess. This has to be good for restaurants, though, too. For sure. You got that right. Uh, Congress, by the way, is looking into this. They say there's no way it should have been seven and a half bucks if there was gouging going on. So if Congress is looking at it, that means nothing will ever get done. We have a friend. We have a teammate who just got some baby chicks uh, over Easter weekend. So maybe we can ask our teammate, (laughs) Hannah, to start bringing in some eggs. Oh, Hannah's (laughs) got little baby chicks? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. One of them is named iPad. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> How about we have chicken for dinner? Oh. All right, what else is next on the 3 of 3? A new list of the best camping locations in the Midwest includes a popular Door County site. If you're into camping, you might know the app The Dirt, D-Y-R-T. It's the number one camping app. It has information on booking and reviews and that sort of thing. And it has named Wagon Trail Campground in Ellison Bay as a top 10 campground in the Midwest. They come in at number 8. Uh, good for them. This app, by the way, lists 50,000 campgrounds, resorts, and all sorts of stuff around the country. And this is in a very pretty part of Door County. Very secluded. And uh, if you go to the ratings, the bathrooms are supposedly amazing. Ooh, that's Which I good. think would be a high, very high on my list of things that I would want when I'm camping. Yeah, clean bathroom. Yeah, and I don't think of clean bathrooms with campgrounds. So uh, good for the wagon trail. They yeah. make the list. And all right. uh, we'll be talking about biking. With oh, Travel yeah, Wisconsin right. at 435. Yeah, Ann Sayers will be along. Ann Sayers in about an hour and a half from now. All right, what's next? John, I know in your travels you have become enamored with Bucky's. Yes, Bucky's. It's the a gas, gas station, station chain. It's a supersized gas station chain. <laughs> when it comes to the best gas station chain in America, USA Today says it's a local one. I like this. It's Quick Trip. Yeah. So the fourth year in a row, Quick Trip has been named the number one gas station in the entire country. They also look at cleanliness of bathrooms, (laughs) fuel quality, coffee, freshness, and snack options. And their snack options are killer, from those glazer donuts (laughs) to the cheeseburgers you can get to all the brownies sitting right near the checkout counters. I remember Clark Howard used to always say if you could get cheap gas at this gas station or this gas station, that Quick Trip always has the highest quality gas. Yeah, that's good to know. If if it was a price comparison, yeah. Their bakeries bake more than 2,000 items each day, and all the milk is sourced from dairy farms. 
within a 100-mile radius of La Crosse, Wisconsin, where they are from. So this is very, very cool. Congratulations, Quip Trip. Quick trip, 800 stores across Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Michigan, South Dakota, and Illinois. Well I done. Love quick trip. Yeah, great Good local stuff. business. 314 at WTMJ. Did you realize there was a controversy surrounding Taco Tuesday? I know it's Wednesday. Controversy <laughs> erupted today. A lawsuit's been filed. We've got the details. It is up next on WTMJ. Who knew that the phrase Taco Tuesday was controversial? First, a little bit of history. Taco John's, which is based in Wyoming, and they have restaurants throughout the Midwest and in the mountain states, in the 1980s, coined the phrase Taco Tuesday, and it was spelled T-W-O-S-D-A-Y, Taco Tuesday, to increase sales with 99-cent deals for two tacos because Tuesday was the slowest day of the week. So Taco John's comes up with this phrase. Then they tweak it to Taco Tuesday, the phrase we all use now, and they trademarked that phrase in 1989. So they have owned it. They have enforced it. They've had lawyers sick on all sorts of other companies that have tried to use the term Taco Tuesday. You're not allowed to. Taco Bell says they have had enough, and they want to liberate Taco Tuesday. They want to free the phrase. They have filed a petition with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office to cancel Taco John's trademark after 34 years, claiming this. It's a commonly used phrase and should be freely available to all who make, sell, eat, and celebrate tacos. We should not be punished, Taco Bell says in their filing, from for simply pursuing happiness on a Tuesday. You need to get rid of the copyright. Taco John's says this in response. We'd like to thank our worthy competitors at Taco Bell for reminding everyone that Taco Tuesday is best celebrated at Taco John's, the trademark owner of Taco Tuesday, and this thing is headed to court. Lawyers say, by the way, Hmm. that Taco Bell has a real case here, that they are likely to win because you can trademark a phrase or copyright a phrase, but if it becomes part of the popular vernacular, even after you have your rights preserved by trademark law, you can lose the right to have See, the phrase. that I don't think is fair because I was thinking about this. They copied Taco John's copyrighted Taco Tuesday in 1989. Yep. That was 34 years ago. That was when the Simpsons first came on the air. That's how long ago it was. And I don't feel like we joked around about Taco Tuesday until like the past five, six years, like within the past decade. I think Taco Bell is a case because nobody uses this phrase thinking of Taco John's. Absolutely no one. This is part of the popular... Language that we all use on every single Tuesday. I, it, I probably shouldn't say this. They might get in trouble. I think it's in my mind shaft reads. Mm. I mean, Taco Tuesday is not a Taco John's thing. So here's the thing. This may sound strange. I never think of traditional taco joints when I think Taco Tuesday. I think of bar specials. Yeah. Right? And go to Left Lucky Town. It's Taco Tuesday. Right. right. They got Wacky Wednesday for wings. They, okay. They've got it written right? on their chalkboard. I, I don't think about any ta- I don't think about Bel Air. I don't think about the taco truck. I don't think about Taco John's. I don't think about Taco Bell. I don't think about any taco shop. I think that these laws are important, but I think the distinction that if it's part of the popular language that we use, I mean... We use I, it at home. Taco I, Tuesday. I, sure. You got not. No, I'm, I'm coming for you. I'm going to get Taco John's lawyers on the line. You can't do that. Has anyone trademarked Meatloaf Monday? Mm. Ooh. That sounds nice. Mm. 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 Do you do meatloaf on Mondays? 
We do meatless Mondays, thanks to Paul McCartney. Oh, interesting. Oh, so, <laughs> all right, so has that been trademarked? We Me- do meatless yeah, Mondays. We'll do weenie Wednesday. <laughs> are we still talking about dinner? I'm not sure. Oh, my goodness. But are restaurant <laughs> go- wars good for everyone? Like, we're talking about yeah. it. I've never said True. Taco John's more in my life, and I've True. only just now learned that there's a Taco John's by AmFam Field, and there's one in West Dallas and Waukesha. Like, I had no idea. Taco John's is not in my orbit, but now I know. So we've elevated the chatter, and I might try Taco John's. Do they use it, though, on their own signage? They say they and, do. I haven't been in one to witness it, but they say in the in the response to the filing that they do. I love Taco Bell. And Michelle doesn't like Taco Bell. She says, to, use, to quote my good friend Greg Matzik, she refers to it as a rental. More of a rental, yeah. I, I see. Um, I enjoy Taco Bell. I do, too. It's it my fast food guilty. Me. I'm in a... <laughs> It doesn't wreck you. <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm good with Taco Bell. Um, hard shell or soft shell? What are you guys? I, I get both, typically. I'll try and get one of each, at least one of each. And let's be honest, two tacos is not going to be enough Not for enough. Me. You know what we've started doing? Uh, ma- using both. What is that called? At, at Taco Bell, well, they, they got have the double-decker thing, it. right? They, yeah. they, they, they wrap the, uh, the, the soft shell wrap, with some the... kind of bean paste. Yeah. And then they stick it to the hard shell that's so got everything else in it. <laughs> so when you make tacos at home it's and inventive. you make hard shell tacos, do you make the taco shell and then fill it, or do you fill it with the meat and bake it that way? Oh. Oh, all the ingredients are doing their own thing, right? Yeah. And then the shells are separate and warmed, and then... Yeah, the assembly happens after. Kind of load up the shell. I agree. We do it after also, but last time I bought taco shells, it said, try it this way. Put the make the meat ahead of time, like you do on the stovetop. Put it in the shell and then bake it with the with the shell while you're baking the shell. Who does that? I don't know. Not me. Does I, anybody I, do that? There have been some advancements in the consumer bought hard shell. They're trying to flatten the bottom of these things now. Have you seen this? <laughs> Just the, oh yeah, so, you, yeah, so maybe you can sit so it down. Easy, yeah. right, so you can so stand it up while you put it together. Food, yeah. From the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620, we have some Taco Tuesday enthusiasts from 4141 says, uh, well, I think of Taco Tuesdays. I do think of Taco John's because grew up two blocks away from there in Waukesha. And another 414 texter, OMG, Taco Tuesday is totally a real thing from Taco John's. Yeah, I don't remember that specifically, but 1989, I don't think it would have been in my radar. No. I lived I, in South Dakota where they are really big, and I do remember they definitely did advertise it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the thing with the hard taco wrapped in a soft shell from the 414, put refried beans between it. It's really, really good. That's what I just said. So yeah, you can hold like it a, together. It's sure. like a bean paste. There you go. Uh, taco John's is much better than Taco Bell. Text from the 414. Gordita. That's what it's called at Taco Bell. Soft shell, hard shell, gordita. I thought that yeah. was the fried shell, or is that a chalupa? No, the chalupa is the fried shell. It's oh a little goodness. thicker, right? Okay. That's the nice thicker. It's all the same food. Honestly, I'm more of Pretty a burrito much. gal. So okay, yeah, can't beat a good burrito. And there's right? no day that starts with B, so <laughs> uh, <someone laughs> not yet. Did, someone did text in that soft shell Saturday is a thing. That sounds like a stretch. Well, that could be crab too. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds really good, actually. Right, if you want to go that route, yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, you can always be part of the conversation if you want. The Old National Bank talking text lines, 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. Uh, feel free on any topic that we discuss. Give us a call. Adam will answer the phone or shoot us a text, 855-616-1620. Coming up after the news, this is a scary story. Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle were pursued by paparazzi for two hours in New York City. They say it was almost catastrophic. 
Wait until you hear how this thing played out. We'll be live on the East Coast with that story coming up here on WTMJ. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle pursued by paparazzi for, uh, by some accounts, a couple of hours in New York City last night. Ended up with nobody getting hurt, but that was maybe by luck more than anything else. ABC's Derek Dennis is with us this afternoon. Hello, Derek. What do we know? Hi there. Well, we we know that there are conflicting accounts here about what happened last night is uh, Prince Harry, his wife, Meghan Markle, and her mother were leaving a charity event in New York City. Apparently, they got into a private car uh, with NYPD detail and their own security detail uh, with them and, and close behind and were headed to where they were staying. And at some point, the paparazzi started following them. And that's where the stories differ. Uh, spokespeople for the royals, the non-working royals, put out a statement earlier today saying this was a two-hour chase uh, that was uh, very dangerous and near catastrophic. Uh, the NYPD immediately uh, put out a statement and, and made comments saying that this was not uh, such a two-hour chase. It may have been uh, a few minutes. Even uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams said he highly doubts it was a two-hour chase. And and so now that the day has gone on, the NYPD has come out with even more information uh, saying that, yes, there were paparazzi who were following, but not a chase, and that at some point the uh, non-working royals got into a taxi to try and, uh, you know, get rid of the paparazzi and were able to make it to their destination just fine without any arrests, anyone hurt, anyone injured and not a chase at all and so uh, look uh, everyone's sensitive to the paparazzi uh, following any celebrity too close uh, let alone the royals especially in light of princess diana's death in 1997 being chased by paparazzi in paris france Uh, but uh, according to the nypd and according to the reporting for abc news uh, this was nowhere near that kind of incident so all the reporting i'm reading is that this was greatly exaggerated by the Royals. The Royals also said that they were on motorcycles with their license plates blacked out, they were driving on sidewalks, and the right. police seem to indicate that, that they don't have any proof of that. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. The police are saying there's no proof of that, and ABC News has not found uh, any of, of any evidence to that effect either. And so, yes, based on the statements from the NYPD, and apparently they, you know, have been looking into this and talking to witnesses, uh, and even a taxi driver, the taxi driver that the uh, non-working royals uh, took a ride with uh, as a sort of a decoy, even he has come out and given interviews saying this was not a chase at all, and at no point did he feel unsafe. And it certainly didn't last two hours. I wonder, though, with all the flashing lights that you see, I mean, this is obviously a situation. His mother passed away from this. This has to be traumatizing on any level. And also with supposedly Harry and Meghan leaving the royals because security and safety was a main concern of theirs. Right. This is the undercurrent. It, 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 it 
clearly seems that they are hypersensitive to any kind of paparazzi, as well as they should. Uh, it's understandable. Uh, but in this case, it does not seem to be uh, as serious as a Princess Diana incident, certainly not in, in terms of the, the level of danger. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to, you know, as a reporter to go anywhere near blaming the victim. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to kind of parse through uh, the two sides of the story here, and they're very differing accounts. ABC's Derek Dennis from New York. Thank you, Derek. Sure thing. You know, I'm empathetic to what he went through and what his mom went through. It was tragic and horrific. But every single report is that the spokesperson for Harry, the prince, exaggerated this, that this did not happen. They're the only one saying that it was highly aggressive. There was driving on the sidewalk. There was running red lights. There were motorcycles with their license plates covered. The police, the taxi driver, other witnesses, people at the events, the New York City mayor all say this is exaggerated. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? Ten minutes of intensity makes a certain amount of sense to me with my experiences in New York City. You can't move very fast. You can't get very far. And if you had a chase, which intimates high speed for two hours in Manhattan, well, you'd just be driving up and down different streets and not ever getting off the island. But to say two hours? That's what I mean. That, yeah, that's, 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 that's crazy. Thank goodness no one was hurt. Yeah. Right? On any, no, no a first responder, no one. Yeah, so that's the good news. It is 344 at WTMJ. We're joined by Vince Vetrano. He is the host of Wisconsin's Morning News here on WTMJ. Vince, thank you so much for being with us. I have a statistic that surprised you. Today, on a story that I've been working on for our show as well. Leading cause of death for children one to four years old. And you were surprised to hear it is drowning. I am surprised. I was too. Now, I would have thought accidents or a number of other different things, but specifically drowning. Wow. That's terrible. I didn't realize that. I guess that makes a little bit of sense, though, based on what we've seen, not only here in Milwaukee, southeast Wisconsin, statewide, and really across the country. I don't know how often, sadly, when we get into the summer yeah. months, but you and I are doing a story in the news true. about a child who's drowned. Especially the last couple of years, it feels like. Parties yes. at hotels, accidents at lakes. You're right. It's too prevalent. So one of the reasons I was interested in this is I talked with Sam Seidel. He is the Associate Executive Director of the YMCA of Greater Waukesha County. So that actually incorporates a number of different suburban Y mm-hmm. locations. Okay, And they're putting on a program this weekend where they're offering, not just to Y members, but the whole community, 60-minute water safety courses. And so I was interested by that, given what we're yeah. seeing all around us. And I asked him, I'm like, what can you teach somebody in 60 minutes? Yeah, in one hour. That's going to make them right. yeah. say, so actually, we can, we can teach them a lot. Now, are they going to teach you to be an Olympic swimmer in an hour? They're not. <laughs> but they can give you, whether uh, adults and your kids, uh, at least a few instructive notes and a few techniques that can help you survive situations. So in an hour, situations. they can give you enough that if you end up in the water... You'll, you'll survive. Better than if you hadn't had the class, okay. right? So we start with parents and life preservers. And I know, man, when my kids were super little and we went to the water yep. park or whatever before they knew how to swim, yep. um, I, I know they didn't want to wear them, but, man, it's really important. And, and the little water wings. Our kids had the little water sure. wings that they wore on their arms and life preservers. So first of all, it's bringing that knowledge to parents yep. and making kids comfortable with them, showing you how to make sure that one is properly fit, showing how to make sure that one is um, 
you know, the right kind of life yep. preserver for your child. So even just starting there with little life jackets and things like that, that already is getting you ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Secondly, how to behave around water. Third, maybe talking with parents about how to make sure you observe your children. Doesn't mm-hmm. take long, right, to look away. Yep. Even just putting that in your consciousness is going to give you a better yep. situation. Four, if you are struggling in the water, maybe for someone who doesn't know how to swim. Techniques of kind of treading and then floating a little bit. Just a little something, some instruction on that, on how to try to survive in those situations. The other thing, John, that they're focused on is, and we just had this tragic case this week where um, – or was it last week where the guy jumped in the water to save his brother? Yeah. His yeah. brother survived, but the guy who jumped in to save him, he drowned. Yeah. And as wonderful it is that he was able to save his brother, still a tragic outcome. Yeah, he drowned. They don't want that. So there are things that you need to do if you're the person who someone's yelling for help. Yeah. What do you do? Well, you don't just jump in. Yep. I know that's really hard. It sounds counterintuitive. Yep. Especially right? if it's your kid. Of course. And that... They're not saying never, but if you don't know how to swim, yeah. you're not going to help someone. Yeah. So there they offer you the different techniques of what to look for. What can I throw to this person? How can I try to tow the person ashore with a rope, with a buoy, with a something, you know, yep. and going through all of those techniques and things so that if you're ever in that situation where someone's struggling for help, you can help that person. I just took it for granted that most people know how to swim. Didn't I mean, you? where I grew up. My kids took swim lessons when they were little. I took them when I was little. But I was on a trip recently with some folks, and we were all going into the water, and someone in our group who was like 50, 55 years old did not know how to swim and wouldn't go in. And it was a real eye-opener that, yeah, people don't know how to swim. And that person was smart enough not to say, well, I'm going in anyhow, but they were afraid of the water. Unless you were taught to swim, you probably don't know you how don't to know swim. don't know how, right? right? You wouldn't know how. I can't tell you how many years I was in swim lessons at Tosi East. Yeah. In a really nice pool when I was a kid at yeah. Tosi East. And once we hit the summer, we signed up for rec department swim lessons. We did too. And my mom put me through from the littlest, you know, thing and you had to pass Me too. It was like two weeks at Every a crack, year. right? You had to pass that yep. one level to get yep. to the next level. I must have been there darn near to high school. <laughs> and so did <laughs> like, you were a little kid. So did you do that with swim. your kids then too? Yeah, and then so we did the same thing with them. And I know like as they got on in, in years, we're like, I'm I can swim good enough. And we're like, you need to get to this level yeah. and then we can be done. If you get there when you're in third grade, great. If it takes you to fifth grade, whatever. But you all are gonna learn to swim to this level of competency. So this effort through the Y, is this just for children? Can no, adults so also? Children, families, anybody oh, can great. sign up, okay. and it goes outside the membership. Again, you do not have to be a YMCA member, and this is at a number of the YMCA of Greater Waukesha County locations. So, like, there's one in uh, Tosa, there's one in Menominee Falls, McGuanago, yep. Waukesha, uh, I'm probably missing one, the uh, Greenfield location as well. So they're doing these classes on Saturday. They have two 60-minute sessions, one's at 1 and one's at 2.15 p.m. I'll give you the website here. It's GW. WCYMCA.org. So GWCYMCA.org. They would love if you can sign up ahead of time and pre register. You can find out more information there, or they will take walk ins if they have to, but we'll definitely help them plan ahead if you visit the website. And if you want more information on this, check out Wisconsin's Morning News tomorrow. Uh, you'll have an interview with Sam, right? Yep. Talk with Sam, and we'll uh, play that interview for you tomorrow morning. Right. Tomorrow morning on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Vince Vetrano, always good to have you. Thank you. Be safe in the water, my friend. Oh, I said Wisconsin's afternoon news. Of course, he is on in the morning. Uh, swimming. I'm always stunned that there are so many people that can't swim, and it's not their fault if you're a young kid and your family doesn't teach you how to swim. You just don't know how. Did you take swim lessons when you were little? Gosh, so little that I don't remember, kind of. But you know how to swim? Are you comfortable in the water? Yeah, and I think it's almost like being on a game show. Bear with me. 
you know the answers, but when the pressure's on, you kind of panic. So I can imagine if you're jumping in the lake and you can't feel the bottom and you're like, oh, oh, it's deeper than I thought. And that panic sets in and then a current comes in. You know, I, I can imagine that that's a more stressful situation than just dipping into the pool where, you know, you can always touch the bottom and float around in horseplay. Do the girls know how to swim? Yeah, we got them in the water right away. We thought it was critical. Yeah. And it was lessons through their daycare, which we had in conjunction with our health club, which was great. Uh, so they exposed kids to it. And that the idea was to get them into swimming lessons afterwards. Um, but we spent a lot of time at the pool in the summer. And they love it. And, and Riley doesn't really need a life vest for most of her swimming. Kendall yeah. still does a little bit as a kindergartner. Um, but it's kind of working through it. But we thought it was mission critical to get them in the water. I think it is, too. When our girls were, before kindergarten, <clears throat> excuse me, they were in swim lessons. I know that. Just, uh, you got to. I mean. It's a true survival skill. Absolutely. And you can help others. It's it, it's one of the reasons I learned CPR. It's like, I want to be able to help others rather than just kind of be that person who, okay, we've called 911 and just hope for the best. Yeah, this is a cool thing that they're doing. I mean, they're they're reaching out to communities and populations that don't always have access to swim lessons and they're helping them and teaching them. So there'll be more on that tomorrow morning on Wisconsin's morning news. You can check that out with Vince Vitrano.